0: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan
1: network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee In terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, before we get into today's podcast, myself and Nath just wanted to address the season ticket prices that they were announced after we recorded this week's podcast on Tuesday night. We don't want to Avoid them. Obviously, we'll get into them in greater detail in the weeks going forward, and we'll hopefully be able to pass on any concerns, any feedback to the powers that be at the club. But myself and NAIF just wanted to sort of address the two sort of arguments for and against the price hikes at the moment. I suppose, NAIF prices. going up were always inevitable to some degree it's just maybe the timing of it with the cost of living crisis that's ongoing now that's riled a few fans and rightfully so and perhaps the fact as well that there isn't a direct debit
2: scheme for them to pay over a set amount of time it is that one bulk fee. Yeah it's one of them where you know when you look at what could you put in place for people because I saw lots of tweets and we got some messages saying I couldn't afford um to pay all at once during the early bird's for people that already had their season tickets and that's always a shame um and and then now with the with the increase it's a kind of it's not an option for certain people um i think definitely a big split rich in terms of people who said look there's not been a price hike i think somebody said since 2016 you know there was an inevitability to everything going up the cost of living crisis it means everything you know it of inflation and all that sort of thing and way above my level of of intellect i'm sure um but yeah it it it's it's just the the nature of the hike. I mean, could you have done, you know, could you have done fifty pound this season, fifty pound next season, or you know, incremental? I, I I really don't know the ins and outs. I know that earlier in the season, Sean Harvey put in his program notes, didn't he? That losses were were potentially going to be bigger this season than than what we had last season. Just the nature of everything. But I think in a week where you get a a, a new sponsor that's got huge financial resource, um, you know, and, you, and most frustrating thing for me was maybe not the adult tickets more so the um the sort of senior tickets rich going up by i don't know 70 80 pounds whatever it was for people that aren't you know aren't going to be able to generate more income i don't know it i'm really torn on it to be honest um i need yeah. to really get into the nuts and bolts of it another another day
1: yeah exactly i think of course the caveat as well from the club's point of view there is one extra home game next season and Season ticket, uh, season ticket holders get free membership, which is otherwise billed as twenty pounds. So you are getting a bit more for your money than you would have done. So that, this that, was season. that was ten
2: pounds. That was ten pound last season, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. You know, obviously that's been doubled now. It, look, Rich, it's one of those things where you look at it and say, are there much more benefits to to the membership for doubling that? You know, hundred percent price increase. It, it's one of them where these season ticket, these season tickets, the supply and demand. You know, never has Wrexham been more attractive to to go and to go and watch. Right now, we've seen that with what was it? You know, more than two hundred thousand cumulative fans through the gates at the racecourse. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky one because I think they'll sell the tickets, even even with with certain people unable to go. I think those tickets will just get sold. So, you know, we we want we want these we want these great players and we want all these things. I just think you know we've got huge financial reach now with the with the sponsorships and you know could there have been a middle ground this is why i think you need a fan advisory board and i'm sure that you know one is forthcoming i hope it's forthcoming but this is why you know just in a way to frame it for supporters you know could you outlined exactly why the decision was you know what i mean i don't know maybe i'm asking too much maybe i'm asking for the earth here but
1: no i don't think that's too much to
2: ask And i think obviously it's important to note that I
1: did get my ticket in the early bird scheme so I've not been affected by it and I'm quite fortunate because you know at the moment I don't have to worry about sort of putting food on the table etc either but there are going to be fans out there who aren't in as sort of a healthy financial position as, as others and others who only sort of have going to some games as their escapism. I just want football to be accessible and like you said Nave, I understand from the club's point of view why the prices have gone up understand the outrage from other fans though if they feel that it's too much too soon it's a difficult one and we're gonna like we said hold the club accountable as much as we can we want to tell both sides of the story so please do keep your feedback coming in at Rob Red on twitter and Red at gmail.com we will try and pass on as much feedback as we can to the club and hopefully come to some sort of explanation i suppose at least um just to, as why this is happening and why the club are going in this direction like we said we want to be able to Get your voices across. We want to be a voice for the fans and for people who maybe feel like they're not always heard. So, thank you very much, as always, for giving us all your feedback and cooperation on social media. And now we'll get on with the rest of the podcast.
2: Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Rexham AFC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news, and interviews from around the racecourse. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show.
1: Kreuzer, hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. As you can imagine, it's going to be a bit of a grim podcast this week, Wrexham lost in the playoff semi-final against Grimsby at the weekend. An all-time classic, 5-4 at the Kairas. Myself and Naif wondering what to do with the holiday we've booked this Sunday. Thankfully, there is another game for us to switch our attention to. But Naif, we're going to unpack what happened at the weekend, look back on a season. And although many fans tuning into this might be expecting a podcast of doom and gloom, I think we've both got a slight spring in our step and... We're already a bit excited for next season.
2: I mean, I for someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, I couldn't put myself through listening to me. I couldn't put myself listening through me and you, really rich, anyway. But if people do do that and get over that hurdle, I, I wouldn't want to listen to us just doom and gloom it for because it's gone now. And you know, I was sad for forty-eight hours. Like I was speechless on the Saturday, um, Sunday. Nobody in my house wanted to talk to me. And Monday was a case of, right, um, let's look ahead to Scunthorpe uh, away and Southend away and hopefully, you know, and, and looking at, at that, really. Um, so, yeah, springing our step. I mean, you know, people I was getting trolled mercilessly on. I put a video out, Rich, of um, on my personal Twitter of Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds celebrating from the box. And George Dewey, I think his name is, who is like the one of the main heads at Maximum Effort, the um, production company that Ryan runs filmed it and it's a great video it's really great video when Paul Mullen scores the penalty. You know, the, the passion for it and just yeah, it's a brilliantly shot video. And after I was getting trolled by all these people of clubs that, you know, followed other teams. i, I a Port Vale fan got in touch but again an hour after they'd got promoted to is it that the same day that they got promoted to League One? Um, you know, other other fans and I think just before I get into, you know, why I've got a spring in my step, I think Maybe you see this in your job as well, Rich. But I think there's a culture now, not among every fan, obviously, it'd be ridiculous to say, but among a large proportion of fans, there's a there's a group, a large group, in my opinion, who would rather celebrate the downfall of others than cherish their own success. I don't really under fully, I don't fully understand it. It's like a let's you know people people for example saying let's bookmark this tweet and that tweet, and you know if I ever need a laugh or I need cheering up i'll i'll look at that just focus on your own successes focus on your own trophies medals promotions don't worry what wrexham are doing it's amazing that we've got to this point where a few years ago that would have been unimaginable rich really whereas now you know people are people are celebrating wrexham's downfall more than their own successes i find it bizarre but as spring as far as far as springing my step goes we've got to get on with it we've been here before I did tweet that this is exhausting going into 15th season in non-league but we're closer aren't we Rich I think that if you ask anyone at the club we're a lot closer second place cup final and ultimately we just ran out of steam with injuries piling up at the wrong time so you know the whole season isn't a complete and utter disaster based on uh, what was a really poor run in.
1: No exactly like you said I think this is different to other past sort of Maybe not in the word failures, but when you've just come close, because the future is bright, and there's so much more to be optimistic and positive about than there is to be negative about. And like you said, the tribalism in in football is really dangerous and toxic, and you either have to be hard in or hard out. And I know, even sort of after the full time whistle, there's so many players sort of being cast aside and saying he's not good enough for Wrexham the questions being asked of Phil Parkinson, I just do not see what you'd gain from getting rid of him at all. Cause you, then you'd have to have a clean start again and it becomes another two year promotion project. You, you, it's such an unnecessary gamble that I just don't think you you have to take. And like you said, it's, it is a sucker punch. We all wanted to, to have mm, that happy ending totally. of the trophy win and, and win the league, but you know, it's not happened. And as much as we want to complain and, and cry about that and be upset, we've just got to get on with it. Like you said, and, I think that what really did was our downfall, I mean, there's always going to be questions of how we change in-game, how we adapt to our opponents, where we have got a conclusive sort of plan B, plan C, just to switch things up. And the squad depth, because I look at that bench and there was no one on the bench really to, to make an impact and change that game in our favour. Jake Hyde, I thought, was re- was promising at Wembley, but everyone else was, was so bad. I am at least proud To a degree that, despite our own ineptitude defensively at the weekend, we at least went out fighting. You know, it wasn't like the Wembley game where we lost and didn't lay a a finger on Bromley. Really, that was just, uh, to be honest, it was a pathetic performance. One at Wembley, but at least we tried at Grimsby. And we said before the match, as long as we try and give our best, then I can't have too many qualms. We without Aaron Hayden and Rob Layton, okay, they're not the same caliber of player. But I really do see that as being like Liverpool about Van Dijk and Alisson. They are so central to how good the team is. And I think that this summer, we just have to be ruthless. There are some players there who are fringe players who are never going to offer us that much. We need serious challenges for for first-team roles now because there's a clear collective of players, you'd say maybe 13 or 14, who who all have a right to be starting every week. But beyond that, there are some players who in no circumstance other than it being the Tunnock Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup or the FA Trophy. Back in that. That you'd say should I not even sure if we are back in that yet. I'm not not looked. I think we should who be back knows? in that. We should be. Who knows? So yeah. Do you know I mean I just think that it's about squad depth this summer. And I think that the nucleus is there. We've got so many good players and this summer there's a few first teamers who I think should be upgraded on. But the priority is just strengthening the squad in general,
2: really. Rich, what I just to further extend your point about Hayden and Layton, what I think you, we missed in those final few games. Like I say, I was at Weymouth where Hayden goes down twice, eventually goes off and, and that's his season done. I think what did he end up getting? Thirty eight games, maybe thirty nine games. Um, you know, a model of consistency for so long, and I was early on banging the drum for him to get player of the season. Um, and you, you kind of You just missed his physicality. And i also extend that to Harry Lennon's physicality in both boxes. You know, Max has been brilliant and deserved his Young Player of the Season award. And French, for a number of people, have come on and really sort of scolded him after the weekend. I don't think he was alone in having an off day. I think Max also had an off day massively by his standards. But I think Hayden and Lennon just give you that physicality in both boxes and really when you look at the goals back, all three of the back line got physically bullied by blocks. And, you know, I think Mark, Mark Crichton was saying on Twitter that, you know, you can coach all you want about, uh, you know, how to defend set pieces and X, Y, Z, and we've not been good at that all season. So there's an element of coaching that comes in with that. There's also an element of just mano, mano, win your battle. And Grimsby did us too many times I mean what was it something like in all if we count in Mullins hand of God uh Muradinho whatever Muradinho um you know you're you're looking at what seven headed goals in that game or something Toza was a header Jordan Davis was a header um I mean Luke Waterfall was a couple of headers Manny whatever his name is Dissoeva or whatever so when you look at it back, I think you know we put out, didn't we, about Parky Fume. I've never seen Parky that mad rich. I've never seen Parky that mad. But I think while the, while the referee was completely inept, you, we've got to look. We've got to look inward. You know, what I mean, the referee made some dreadful decisions. But for both sides, mate, for both sides.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that as well because I was furious with the referee, and I had lots of my mates and colleagues at work as well who don't support Wrexham, who are watching it, and they're all saying, you've been robbed there, you've been robbed. There was a disallowed goal as well, which I've still not seen back, but at the time looked very soft. It's a silly, but, it's a silly call. But, you know, the first penalty w- wasn't a penalty on Mullin. It gets evened out when we don't get the Hasana one, but then that could have been at least a yellow, maybe a red for the reckless challenge on Hasana, which could obviously change the game. Grimsby then, could then be aggrieved that, you know, there's the, the punch in from Mullin on the line... There's mm. Parking wanted a foul, I think, for McAtee's goal in the build-up, but again, that was us whinging too much and not playing to the whistle. It reminded me of Man United very much, the way that they just always look for protection from the refs and win so much. I wasn't sure that was a foul. I, wasn't I didn't sure think that it was, was either, and not I think it's me. a very easy excuse to make. And not again, you said it, it's just lacking that presence, the physical presence in both boxes. That was addressed to a degree when Oli Palmer was signed because he does so much at both ends of the pitch, but you can't be over-reliant on just him to do it. And when I was sat in the tech end, from corners, you could see you could see what was going to happen because it just looked a mismatch. There was yeah. that stage of the season where we looked intimidating. Everyone looked over six foot and we looked like you know, the shit houses that you need to be to get out of this division. I mean, it's, it speaks volumes that Grimsby and Solihull are in the playoff final because they've got that. Stockport had it as well. They've got that presence. And like you said, Naif you can over-analyse football at times and say it's down to this tactic, down to these players occupying these certain roles and all this, but it's so much of it, especially at this level is about that physicality and that presence and the way that you handle mm-hmm. yourself and the experience of dealing in key situations. And it's a really good point you made there about Harry Lennon, because obviously the vision and the dream from Parkey was that he would have been a mainstay this season and you would have had toes Hayden Lennon for every game. That was the plan. And that would have been intimidating. That would have been imposing. Midfield is always going to be a bit lacklustre. I mean, just to go on record now, a little bit of a tangent. Luke Young, one of the the best individual performances I've seen in a Wrexham shirt for some time from him on the weekend. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was just incredible. What a player and what a turnaround he's had. But again, that midfield... Maybe didn't have that brute force.
2: I, I know what you mean. I think he was the deserving man of the match, but
1: he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He was dragging us through it at times. The amount of interceptions he got, dragging the play forward, great passing. He was he was exceptional. No, he was
2: brilliant. He was brilliant. He was he was he was standing out above the rest. I mean, the game just the game for me. Just so many random moments where yes, it was there was loads of goals. But have you ever seen a, a referee use that magic spray, whatever you want to call it, for a throw in? I've never seen that before in my life. No, I've not right. ever. I've never seen that before, and you know, kind of, just just things that were just unexplainable. And really, that the omen was bad when I think we last had that ref during the three 0 loss at Dagenham. So the omens weren't great. But really, in its totality, Rich, you know, all all the best to Grimsby. It could have gone either way. It could be could have been us, and 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 we. Yeah, you know, I'm not really. In, it. I know Wrexham
1: fans have been shown their class with the Grimsby gesture, which we'll get onto later, but. I'm not in the I'm not in the spirit of being magnanimous. I don't give right. a if okay. who goes up anymore. I'll even it out. If it's I'll not it Wrexham, out, I don't care.
2: Right. Well, I mean, for me, uh, you know, look, whatever. All, all the best, Tom. And um, I think for us, when you look at it, we were brilliant for that stretch between January and April. Ultimately, injuries caught up with us, and I also think there's an element of we just ran out of steam. You know, there was always that risk, wasn't it, Rich? You would always say, "Oh." If anything, when we were a bit further away, 11 points behind, I think maybe you said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, saying that might even be better off if Stockport ride it rode off into the sunset and we could focus on it. I don't know if there was any mental fatigue. Yeah, because Players you don't would probably say no. Into, but...
1: Yeah, because like we said, this is what happened in the eight-point season. And we've spoken yeah. to so many guests, haven't we, where they say that because it was within touching distance, you go into these last few games really down on yourselves because it was there. And we were almost again. We were victims of our own success because we somehow salvaged a title challenge out of nowhere, yeah. and then it's been detrimental because even though Wrexham fans weren't saying it, there's going to be a proportion who were. But external mm. media and opposition fans will say, "Well, you've sort of bottled a title challenge there yeah. because the way that we dropped points, which ultimately could have seen us
2: promoted." But, but I, can't, I can't lie. I thought we had a ch- like. I'll admit, when I was with people at Dagenham, and I said I. I think we might do it here now. You know, after that Stockport win, I, I got very kind of drunk on that success of what you know that was arguably the performance did, of the season. Yeah, but but you know obviously I'm I'm very much <laughs> swaying with the win, in my opinions. But I thought there's a chance, and I think you can write the Dagenham one off as a you know people say well one Stockport had gone tune it up, we got it got to the players and, and and whatever. So if you want to write that one off, fine. Then Wembley was, I think, the worst display of the season by a, a few miles. And then at the end, you know, we just said, let's go out with a fight. We we went out with a fight. A lot we could improve on. You know, there, there will be some personnel changes over the summer. I would go with Parky Gar, because I don't understand why you would rip it up. But what I will say is there's no grace period next season, Rich. Um, you look at Stockport, they gave Rusk however many games didn't work and what I will say is there's no if it doesn't work out again next season which I'm you know we all fingers crossed touch wood, hope it does there'll be you know this idea of the project you can't keep knocking extra years onto it you know it next season will be win or bust and, and and it's how they handle that pressure yeah
1: absolutely and I think that's the way we've got to approach this summer isn't it we can't have any sort of uncertainty or those murmurs that oh maybe Parky's not the man this summer but like you said if things don't start well and we're still suffering from the same issues then yeah you've got to make that ruthless call and it's gonna be really interesting to see the sort of response we've got I mean bless Rob he's still not seen his win in person I just oh, pray for him that he gets to guy. see one of these big wins because
2: oh, god he's he had... saw an unbelievable game yeah he saw an unbelievable game where he went through every emotion and as painstaking as it is what a finale that is for the for the documentary do you know what i mean like you if you were scripting games um they probably couldn't imagine. you know i'm just thinking about somebody that hasn't followed our because for us when we watch the documentary we know what's coming at episode 10 rich we know the agony it's gonna end on but imagine you're somebody in america that doesn't follow uh football and and you're gonna watch it and you have you have no idea what's to come i mean what a thrilling finale that is I'd rather they had a boring finale that's very predictable, but... No, I know, but it's... You know, I'm saying from their point of view, not from ours, but from their yeah. point of view, it's it, it will make a thrilling, thrilling finale. We know that's coming out in August when the new season will have started.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, in terms of retain list out this week, Rich... Not much wiggling, really, is it? No, not at
1: all. And you've, I mean, if if people haven't seen this, we've posted on socials now, a uh, sort of breakdown of of the retain list, how it's looking. The players who are eligible for sort of extensions, those who are staying anyway, and those who are going to be maybe released. I mean, there's a few that we've said. I mean. If we go through it position by position, I suppose yeah. that's the, the way to do it, isn't it? So you look at the goalkeeper situation Rob Layton and Christian Dibble both contracted for another year. Dawid, who. Shuspeniak, is it? I still don't know. I'd say his name. Yeah, surname. it seems to
2: be a go by Polish Day, but I think that's pretty good. You had a really good go at that then.
1: And, and Lee Camp, which is much easier to say, both out of contract <laughs> this summer. Goalkeeping situation is a difficult one, isn't it? Because Rob Langton, on his day, is the best keeper in the division, but you cannot rely upon him for a season. Christian Dibble really can get toxic in the fan base at times. I know that we've said on the podcast before that club hierarchy believe there's not much in it between those two. Dibble made some fantastic reactionary saves at the weekend. He made two great ones at the start of the second half, and then was nowhere to be seen from some of the set pieces. But again, that was a defensive issue as well, not just on Dibble.
2: It definitely wasn't just on Dibble. I mean, look, his punching was was really poor. And he'll and I would assume that he would admit that himself. But I think for the actual goals, you know, Waterfall has a free header to score the winner. Nothing a keeper's doing to get near that. I don't care if it's Laynton or or Dibble. And what I'd say on Laynton is, yeah, unquestionably a great goalkeeper on his day. But... He's almost too brave because the injuries he gets that always seem to be against Bromley are just really, really dangerous injuries. So, you know, will they? I don't know what they'll do. Will they go and get Ben Foster and and have him as like a a backup like the lead camp role? Or or will they go out and say, let's go and get Ryan Boots or let's go and get... um you know somebody, somebody from League Two who's on the come up or or going by someone's first choice goalkeeper. I'd be fascinated to know which which route they go. And I mean, what well, do you think we do? He... Because
1: I think we need a new number one, and then let Layton double battle for number two. Almost, I really do think that you've just. I'm, got I'm, to I'm the of route the
2: route mind, I, I'm of the mindset where you go for an, If it was just if it was me picking, be looking at getting a new number one. But you know, it, it both players under contract. Yeah, with both players under contract. Do you go and get a new number one until I don't know 2025, 2026? Uh maybe slight you know, slightly younger or whatever, and, and, and build from there. I don't know, that's what I would do. But will they do it? I have no idea. I've no I've no knowledge on that, if they will or they won't.
1: Defence then. We are very well stocked at defence. Ben Toza has got two years, Hayden's got two years, Max clearworth has got two years, Tyler French still has another year on his deal as does Sean Brisley, Bryce Hazana, Ryan Austin and Reese Hall-Johnson. Callum McFadzian is contracted till 2024. Cameron Green has already been released. And Harry Lennon, there's an option to trigger him for another year. Like we said, we've seen in spells that he is a very, very good defender, someone who clearly was in Parkey's first-team plans initially. But we were warned about his injury record and it came back to bite us. Can you actually take that risk again? Do we just need to be ruthless and cut him loose?
2: It's, it's a really, I, that's probably the one I'm most interested um when the list comes out. And I mean, the list will be out uh, soon after this, I'm sure, um, which is always the way, Rich. Will, will record this and then the list will drop about two and a half minutes after. Um, but I'm really interested to see with Lennon because clearly there was people believing that he was the best player on the pitch for us at a certain moment of the season. And, okay, we weren't free-flowing attacking at that point. But it was unquestionably, I remember seeing him an older shot away in the the rearranged game. And he was brilliant then. He was brilliant. He scored, I think, from memory. It's all a bit of a blur now the season. But really, really good player and physically very imposing. I think, you know, people point to his injury record. I think this issue um, was, again really serious and really freak i mean i can't really recall how he picked it up in, in terms of how the how his back became problematic whether he played through it for a bit or not i can't remember one specific incident where he sort of did it in um but you do have to be ruthless there's a lot of players there rich on the contract i mean do you come to some sort of mutual buyout mutual termination like we did with jamie record for a, a sean brisley I mean, that's up in the air. Is there a market for someone to go buy him? He's clearly an established football league player that hasn't been able to get looking for us. Ryan Austin understood that he'll be going out on loan. Um, Bryce Rosanna, like I said, Bryce Rosanna, Riesel Johnson, under contract again. McFadden still under contract. So you haven't got much wiggle room. We we made the decision to extend Tyler French's contract. Not me or you. I mean, we don't have any negotiating power, but the club did. And yeah, from that, I was actually surprised, Rich, when I looked at that, how many of the defence are pretty much set. I mean, you're not yeah. going to go and get another three centre-backs like we did because, really, we cleared the decks, didn't we, before Parky arrived? We got rid exactly, of them. I'm just yeah. seeing Theo Vassell has got a two-year deal at Salford. So you know, these are the kind of players, fiacre Kelleher, Sean Pearson, who's now going into the playoff final. So we cleared the decks, and I think by giving out those long contracts and extensions, we haven't really left ourselves with much room because you can't have a squad of 30, 35 players. We're going to have to try and move people in and out if that's the way you want to go.
1: Yeah, and again, it it's well well gone now, but it does make you wonder why we didn't keep one centre back who already knew the club just in reserve, even if they were to be third or fourth choice. I mean, third choice they'd be playing, wouldn't they? But if they were going to be fourth or fifth choice this season, then it would have certainly maybe helped us in the tail end. But like I said, that's been and gone now. And interesting as well because I know there's been criticism at times. Hazana I thought was good again, but himself and Hall Johnson, neither of them's really establish themselves as the starting right wing-back. They're both contracted, so you'd say that is there room to get a third right wing-back in if you've got both of them? You probably need someone who can play understudy to McFadzian as well, because there's been a, a drop-off as well at times when he's not been available this season. Midfield then, and this
2: one... Just a quick just a quick point, Rich, on, on the wing-back, I'm just thinking out loud here. You know, going into the market, going into the transfer market, I mean, McFadzian's played well, and I know when we first started watching, we were at Wealdstone away together... And you really just you hadn't caught him on one of those good days, really. You know, you just the the way the games had fallen that you'd been to, you sort of said, "Not really sure." I mean, do you go into the market thinking? Do you think do you go into market thinking right? We need to sign a a backup left back, or do you just go in the market thinking, let's get the best left wing back we can, and and see how McFad, you know, if see see McFadden challenge them, go and get the best right wing back you can, and see them. Do you know what I mean? And that raises everybody's level. I mean, if you can go and get someone better than McFadden. Is that what you do? Or yeah, do you just I think, think, you know, think, that's why that's why I look at it?
1: Yeah, that's what we've done in midfield. And we'll come on to Tom O'Connor in a minute and, you know, maybe his role going forward as well. But I do think there's a competition for places. I think McFadden is, is still a football league standard player. And yeah. I think that the biggest change we could make this summer is by signing an out-and-out winger. And I don't mean to play 4-3-3. I mean, in these games when we're chasing them and we need to do something different, just put a put a winger on for a wing back because you don't need their defensive duties really. So I think that's what could, would could be you the argue key we've really. done that?
2: Could you argue we've done that with McAllendon?
1: I, t- I, I think McAllendon, I, I wouldn't say he's an out and out winger. I know what he's played is he I don't know what he is. is he's yeah, a human I think being, but I don't know what position he plays. Yeah, I think he suffered from that versatility. And I mean, I think he is, like, I mean, where we signed him, he was. Was he bracketed as sort of a a winger? Was it a forward, certainly? I think it was a forward.
2: It's sort of like a a wide forward. He definitely was sort of picked as a striker and actually on the graphic put him as a midfielder because by the end, I couldn't really make a case that he'd been playing as a forward at all.
1: Exactly. So it's just a really difficult one. But having someone who's versatile is really useful. You know, you need need that in, in, in any squad. But I do think that, like you said... Always try and get the best player you can for any position, but I wouldn't be too fussed if McFadden starts the season as the as the go-to left wing-back. Midfield yeah. then. Luke Young has one more year left on his current deal. James Jones has two years left. Tom O'Connor and Jordan Davis are both contracted to 2025. And as he said, Liam McLinden also has another year on his deal. Dave Jones, out of contract. You'd expect that he'll either leave or stay on solely as a coach. Devonte bringing
2: back I think you're bringing back as a coach Dave Jones I, I think he's got a lot of experience under his belt Premier League level I think that from what I gather the players like working with him and from what from what I understand he really wants to really knuckle down and do a bit more one-to-one coaching um you know with some of these players so Parky really values his opinion I know he did a bit of scouting on opposition teams for Parky so I think you know it's a no-brainer to, to bring him back in, in a coaching perspective
1: Devonte Redmond Gone, surely it would be well. Somebody ludicrous. told me
2: before that there was a, yeah, it would be somebody told me before that there's an option to trigger on his contract if we, yeah, won. I believe there's sure no signed, way
1: it was one and a one on one deal, which there's so no many way. teams do because that gives you the chance to protect his value. Obviously, non no level, way. you don't really sell players for fees anyway. So, like I said, I think the, the envision the, the one behind that was maybe if he was part of our plans this season and was playing well. You've then got a free hit to make it a two-year deal, basically, from what it was. Yeah,
2: but there's no way that gets triggered. There's no, no way.
1: Dan Jarvis out of contract as well. I mean, whispers that he might be in line for a new deal anyway. It Sounds like you know. I he's think he's was, he was by Parky. He's had a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, he was. Opportunities he, came this off the be- he came
2: off the bench twelve times this season. Um, you know, and he had that spell out. He got in. You know, when we beat Bromley at home, Rich, there was that horrendous challenge that drew a straight red. That was on Dan Jarvis, so he missed a chunk of the season. But from about. When was that game? November to, I think, I don't know, early Fed maybe? I'm not sure. He was out for a, a period of time, for sure, um, a, a good chunk of time. Uh, but he yeah, came off the bench 12 times. I haven't got the kind of list in front of me of exactly who came off the bench most, but I would attest that Jarvis came off the bench more than most players. Parky just seemed to like bringing him in there, freshening it up. He was only in the starting 11 five times, but I of all the people out of contract... He's the one that I could probably see penning fresh terms, and I can imagine him accepting that as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think he's, for Dan Jarvis, it would be a no brainer for him to want to stay at the club because I'm not totally convinced on him. I'm not quite sure what he offers, but you know, if, if the Club want to keep him then that's their decision isn't it at the end of the day I'm just looking
2: for game changes off the bench that's what, that's I, what I mean I know, I just feel I know you're not we... going to have five of those you're not going to because you're putting a keeper on there that's what got me with Grimsby is they Hurst Paul Hurst, Hurst Paul Hurst put his balls on the line in a way because he didn't he put five outfield players on the bench you know game changes really in terms of not all attacking Sean Pearson came on and I felt gave away a penalty on Jordan Davis wasn't given thought that was pretty blatant but you know, come on defensively or whatever. But five outfield players, and you know, who knows, the keeper could have been maybe sent off or whatever. And that has that a challenge? It would have been a, a disastrous move. But you know, the way we've been doing it with Parky, you have the keeper plus four subs. You really want all four on there to to have some kind of game changing ability, whether that's defensively they can lock it up, or you know, a winger like you say, or and a, and a couple of strikes. I think you want a midfielder on there of some kind, uh, a defender and, and two forwards, really. And yeah. you just look down our bench and, you know, with respect to the players that have been here before, you don't see many game changers on there, really.
1: No, exactly. And like we've spoken about this before. I remember saying it last summer, in fact, about the five-sub rule. And the problem with that is because your hands are tied, you almost have to go for versatile players rather than specialists yeah, on the bench. Yeah, You know. need to go for someone like Mack who can play left wing back, could play centre mid and if he had to, could play up front if he had to. You, you have to go for versatility, which has always got to be detrimental to us when we've got such a plethora of players and we've got the budget to go and buy more if we wanted to anyway. So really interesting one on that. And yeah, like you said, maybe if we got a keeper who isn't as susceptible to injuries as Leighton, then you could risk not having an extra keeper on the bench. But of course, that means you'd have to have an outfield player yeah, who feels comfortable going in goal as well.
2: But on Attack. midfield, Rich, before, sorry, before, sorry, I'm interrupting you, but on midfield, there's going to have to come a point where this squad has to get built around Tom O'Connor. If he's going to be your guy, signed until 2025, and Jordan Davis, you cannot keep shoe... I and mean, fair enough, he's coming mid-season and he's just trying to figure out he's had injuries and whatnot. But I don't know whether you agree with that, but you've got to find a, a more prominent role for him moving forward. I, I don't think he, someone who's on the potentially the longest contract at the club don't know the terms he's on or anything like that but you cannot have him just sort of slotting in as a as a kind of sub left center back at the end of it you know i think he's gonna have to play a much bigger role going forward yeah i
1: think like i said the amount of money that's been invested in him you have to you simply have to make him work somehow and again it's just really interesting the dynamic because you've got four sort of recognized midfielders there with Jones, Davis and Young as well. And you just wonder it, who's going to, have to pay the price because it seems certain Parkey will go into next season with a 3-5-2 again. It'll be really interesting to see if he uses the off-season to look at a new formation, to look at different way to set his side up. I I can't really see that happening from from where we I are can. at the moment. So it means he someone's should, got drop He should, He should. He yeah. should.
2: He should look at a four. If you're going to go and sign an out-winger, an out as you say, Rich... I'd love someone like Barnett at, um, I think he's 22, Barnett at Solihull. Hall. I think he's a brilliant player. Or even someone like Ollie Crankshaw, sure, these kind of players that are just out-and-out out wide players. Um, ben Whitfield, people like that. That suggests to me that you would need to go to a 4-3-3 type. And I did wonder whether you could... Because I think people were talking about, could we go 4-3-3? Really, you can't go 4-3-3, in my opinion, with a Hyde-Mullin-Palmer. You just It's just three centre-forwards. You're pushing two of them wide. So it, there's no harm in the off-season having a look at it. Can you, I can think you find do, a way? I
1: think you go through through 4-3-3 with Mullen on the left, a right winger, and Palmer through the middle. I think there's a way to make that work. Maybe, because maybe. But the start Mullen's the season, Mullen was doing that entire anyway.
2: Yeah, maybe. But he's the, entire, he's the top scorer in the entire division. You just want him between the posts, really. Yeah, um, I, no, I but do get obviously that. Obviously, with Palmer, with Palmer, you can't play him anywhere yeah. else. But
1: that's what I mean in terms of the way that we set up. If, if we had a winger on the bench, when you're chasing a game where you need a goal late on, last 20 minutes or whatever, you just literally put the winger on for the wing back, so it it's still free at the back. You've still got you're free in midfield, but then you've almost got four in attack. You know, there's a way of overloading it because
2: mm.
1: you just need to make the most of that. And I think that we've... I mean
2: one for one for us for the summer, itch and how we can actually you know when when players start to come in, I think we can get a better idea on what tactical flexibility we have. Um, yeah, but in terms of, in terms of the striking options, maybe you can run us run us through those to, to kind of round us out.
1: Yeah, so in terms of attack, there's room for change here as well. Paul Mullen contracted to 2024. Ollie Palmer contracted to 2025. Jake Hyde and Dior Angus both contracted for one more year until 2023. That means Jordan Ponticelli, Kwame Thomas and Jake Bickerstaff are all out of contract this summer. Would you keep
2: any of them? I don't think I would. I would not. I would not keep any of those. Um, And I guess, you know, it really feels harsh, doesn't it? To sort of, it feels like yeah. you're playing, you're playing with someone else's livelihood, which never feels nice. But look, that that's the, the nature of the business. And you know, by the end, by the end, Kwame Thomas wasn't even getting a look in. You know, and, and this is the perils of not having an away, uh, not having a reserve team. You know, these players, I'm sure they're having some behind closed doors games, but they're not getting meaningful minutes, really. Yeah, so Kwame was there, smiling and seemed in good spirits, and you know the club have supported him through his injury and everything, and rehab. But yeah, I think I think he can move on, and I think he could go on to to join a club, maybe bottom half of the national league or, or wherever, and, and and do all right. You know, look at Goldomateo. Did, I shared something on Twitter, which I think he had the second most interceptions in the national league behind Luke Waterfall. So you know, look, Goldomateo has gone on, and yes, they got relegated Kings Lynn, but he's getting regular minutes, and I think that's important. Bigger staff. It's, you know just at his point in his development he's just not going to get anywhere near you know, if we're talking we want Jake Hyde to maybe get some more minutes because that's a long way behind Hyde really in terms of his development and Pontacelli some people will I, I think some people may come back at us and say that he he should get terms but just for me you know he scored that wonder goal all the shot and, and as you know Park he loves his running and his energy and his enthusiasm but I think you you move on and, and you look for an upgrade there um, you know, I never yeah. see him as really a, a, a prolific scorer. I think we said earlier in the season, didn't we, that, you know, Jordan Poncelli appreciation and uh, appreciation post. And look, He's had spells this season where he's really done a job. Mullen been suspended. He's come in, slotted in and, and given his, his best. But I think you have to sort of take stock and, and, and kick on. He's, he's been with us for two years now, brought in by Keats in 2020. And I think you sort of say, thank you very much. All the best.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. And he's had... A good use to the team this season he had that fantastic spell that you mentioned when he was coming off the bench really pressing well and and offering so much up front but for me you have got to be ruthless and he just doesn't offer enough and enough differently to what the other strikers at the club do and I think that's just the era we've got to to go into really if you want to win the league next season you can't rest on your laurels and just expect well we were second this season So we're going to automatically do well next season and with a few extra players, we'll be even better because it doesn't always work like that. You have to have some squad overhaul. You've got to try to keep that nucleus and build upon it. But I just think that we've got to get a much better quality of player in. And, you know, like we said last summer, when we signed football league players, not just football league players, league one quality players, I think you need to carry on with that mentality by ensuring that you've got the same sort of ability in depth as well and on the bench and that's what that's what i sort of made as my first point there always seemed to be a drop-off between our starters and our reserves whereas i think that the the real success this summer would come from having reserves and substitutes who deserve to be starting as well and who would start for any other top side in the national league it's about having that
2: that real strength and depth it's, which it's obviously it's tough it's a tough sell difficult. though isn't it it's, it's a tough sell isn't it rich i mean you are not going to go out and get kabonga shamanga to sit on your bench and you're not going to get you're not like I saw somebody say let's let's go and get dom telford out of newport i mean you're not going to get that caliber of players who just come and sit on the bench and, and be you know play second fiddle to Morin and Moline. Do you Palmer. not think
1: you get a free a third striker who's top class though? I think I think you could. But because... like
2: what you're you're but what what are we saying is top class in the national league? You're saying this season would have been what? A, are you saying you go and get Andy Dallas out of Solihull, 19 league goals, a few you know only only beaten by Madden and um, obviously Mullen, but Madden and who's the other lad? The Shimanga. You know, you're saying you're going to get a Shamanga, you're going to get a. There's levels to what I'm saying that what are you defining as top class. I think you've got to get that. you saying there's a gap between where Jake Hyde is and where Paul Mullen is, that group in the middle there? Or are you saying basically another Paul Mullen that can get in?
1: I wouldn't say another Paul Mullen. I'd say another player in it, maybe Ilka Jake Hyde, because Hyde's been so unfortunate with injuries
2: this season. Yeah, I think we you said... can get someone like that. I, think, I can agree with you. There. I think you can get someone like that, of that calibre.
1: Well, I think you can get. Could you get McCallum from Dagenham? Could you get one of Wutern or I know Rodriguez isn't maybe a centre forward, but you could get someone like him. Um Cheek at Bromley. These are just yeah. names I'm throwing yeah. out no, there. No, yeah. Billy no, Waters right, at Halifax, right. who I know we could have potentially signed, I think, a few years ago into the WST. You know, I think that you need to be getting someone of that ilk who's, who's proven in non-league as well, if possible, and someone who's hungry and the thing is, it is such a long, grueling season that I don't think you are selling to them you're coming here to be third choice. Because I think just by sheer rotation, the sheer amount of games you play, the fact that there's going to be suspensions, there's going to be injuries, they're going to be getting 25, 30 appearances anyway.
2: Yeah, the tricky thing is, all these players want to get 25, 30 goals, though, don't they? Which is the thing is, next season is like you say, we've said it before, said it a million times, we'll say it a million times over the summer. There's so little margin for error now. You, know, you have to get them. I think because in fairness to Parkey he, he didn't get a full pre-season did he? No. I spoke to Owen Jackson who was saying that when Parky came in he was allowed to Owen was allowed to lead the sessions while you know while Parky and Parkin got their bearings with everything We I mean none of that this season you'll get a full pre-season we don't know the plans for that pre-season yet it's a short turnaround was it 50 odd days or something before the new season there's going to be there's going to be very little margin for error here you've got to get your business done early I think you know really if you looked at it what difference would it have made if we'd have, you know, got Palmer start the season, end the you know, middle of the season. So I think you've got to get your business done nice and early. But I also don't think that the, the own the owners of the chairman are are just gonna have an open checkbook either, Rich. I don't think it's a money's no object. I see people saying, Well, I saw somebody put money bags FC, you know, money's no object. It's just blatantly not true. Yes, we've spent a lot more this season than we have in many other another season, but I don't think the, the the club with the people there are going to be held to ransom either. So, get your business done early. Have a long list of targets. Maybe not like Man United's fifty right backs, but have a good list of targets and get it done early and get your squad together. I would say you probably have a, if you can get a squad of maybe twenty four. I think that's pretty good. If you can if you can get a reserve team going as well, you get a reserve team going. You get Dave Jones in as a coach. You get a squad of about twenty two to twenty four. I think you're in. I think you're in a good shape then.
1: Oh. We might not be money bags, Wrexham, but we're certainly oil money, Wrexham. Once oil again, they um, news this week that Wrexham have partnered up with Lucas Oil, who take over from Rex Rent as the sponsors of the tech end. They're also going to be sponsors of the season tickets as well, I believe. And yeah, yeah it's a controversial deal, isn't it? And one which has divided opinion on social media, one which, you know almost has you playing top trumps with other sponsors. Is it worse than betting? Is it worse than crypto? And there's always going to be that dangerous sort of the path to go down. I guess the question really is what are your thoughts on it? I think what I was going to sort of say is that can we be that upset when we've sold the club to Hollywood owners, whether you like it or not to the investment? I mean, TikTok are partly owned by the Chinese regime and, yeah. I think lots of sponsors will have controversial links to them. That's the nature of big business. And I think the main issue is the fact that you're losing someone local who's been there free, thick, and thin. And mm. I think that another problem is that it's not a good luck, is it it's being criticized for being oil money Wrexham and then becoming oil money Rexham? But that's just the price we have to pay, maybe, for, for the success that we ultimately sold ourselves for.
2: I think the vision is. Look, you, the Lucas Oil, I mean, I think their deal to sponsor the Indianapolis Colts' of stadium, the, the naming rights of the stadium, I think that was a, was it a, I don't know the exact figure now, is it a 10-year, ten, ten 20-year deal or whatever it was? I think it was a 20-year deal. 20-year deal for $121 million. So we're not, you know, with 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 respect, we're talking a different, different ballpark completely. You know, these kind of figures involved. And look, when there's a new training ground, I'm sure there'll be, um, you know, sponsorship of the training ground. They're never, I, never saying never, but I would be stunned if they ever, I might even be in the in the kind of agreement that you cannot rename the race course. I, I, I'd need to look over it again. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, it'd be the race course. That we've got the Macron stand now, Wrexham Lager, uh, Lucas Oil stand, and the COP, I'm sure we'll get a name, but it doesn't really matter. It's still going to be Mould Road, uh, Eric Roberts stand for people, Tech End for me, Yale, and the COP. So, you know, it, it's just formality. But... It is always a shame. It's always tinged with a little bit of sadness when you see like local businesses, local entrepreneurs that are kind of Easter side not Easter side, but that they cannot compete with the figures involved. I don't know what Lucas Oil are paying, but I would imagine it's probably more a lot more significant than what
0: Well uh, the TikTok deal was thirty
1: was. times what Ivor Williams were paying Yeah, well,
2: wasn't there, you it? well there you go. There you go. But yeah, on on the point of controversy, um, a lot of big business are full of controversial figures her comment about minorities was poor um she you know came out and, and apologized for that and I believe her husband took a full page ad out uh, this was you know many years ago when, when when those comments were made um yeah it, it's a I, I well, the difficulties in social media rich is that you lose the nuance needed to have this kind of open discussion about you know, uh, can you be more selective on these deals? I mean, look, the, the issue. I know people have made very strong cases about this company and the people that run this company and links to NRA and and Donald Trump and all these other things. So, you know, I don't wanna, I definitely do not want to trivialize it. But yeah, maybe 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 we are being hypocritical if we if we could overreact to this one compared to TikTok or or or, or the sponsors. So yeah, it, I, I'll admit it was a, it was a strange one, but. I think when we the the strangest part for me, Rich, was that in the mission statement was this idea to, you know, become ecologically more, you know, sustainable and all these other things, which felt like a a line that maybe didn't need to go into the mission statement. But there you go. If it, I, I've seen a lot of people say if it brings us promotion, they're not overly fussed. So I think the majority are not that bothered really.
1: I think that's the maybe the the issue with modern football, isn't it? I mean, you'll see the same sort of circumstance at Newcastle where so many fans who haven't actually had that sort of taste of success yet are well in favour of the Saudi takeover of the club the sport washing and the Saudi third kit that they've got next season because ultimately it makes their experience on a Saturday better and for them they're not directly affected by the Saudi regime and the oppression there so you know it's it is a really tricky one and (sighs) Like you said, it's you can you can say it's just part of modern football, but then maybe we do need to hold the club accountable because, like you said, it is still the community they're representing. And uh, you know, there's a really good article from Lee Jones on the national. I think that maybe if we put that in the description, fans can have a read. They can make of it what they will, and if yeah, they've got any conclusion, yeah, come to your own mm. conclusion, I suppose. But I guess the fact of the matter is that at the moment, and. It seems certain that, you know, Lucas Oil are the new sponsors of Wrexham as the Wrex rent stand and and, and season ticket holders. So Oil Money Wrexham are, you know, here to stay, whether we like it or not on this occasion. Um, Nathan, as we said, we've gone through the retained list. We've gone through the controversial sponsors. We've looked back at Grimsby. But one positive that's almost come from the weekend is the fact that and fans have shown their utter class again. The ticket details for the National League final have been confirmed. £45 for to get down to the London Stadium.
2: The ticket price is a disgrace. £45, no concessions, up On tier. On
1: Jubilee weekend as well, in London. Jubilee weekend,
2: yeah. And and you know travel will be ridiculous. It's just... Uh, um, and and you'll get onto the gesture before we round us out today. Yeah, brilliant gesture, Rich. And um, the true class, you know, especially... In the manner of the defeat, it'd be easy for us to to wallow in self pity and, but no, we've seen we've seen that the league is at fault here and people are rallying together and it's it's brilliant to see.
1: Wrexham have, well, Wrexham supporters rather have been donating lots of money to the Mariners Trust to ensure that families and supporters who can't necessarily afford to to attend the match this weekend can try and get there. There's been. Uh, outpouring of donations so much class from the Wrexham fan base who've you know put the weekend defeat to one side and said look we would only spend this money on ourselves to go down to london next weekend so there's a donation link that they've all donated to and said yeah let's just try help out as much as we can football should be accessible and the national league and, Va- and i know vanarama have taken to social media saying they're gonna try work with both clubs to try and sort the issues out but it's the National League, isn't it? It's all on them. It was a stupid idea from the beginning and they can't act like they didn't know that this would happen anyway. The ticketing prices are a disgrace. I know that some supporters have pointed out the FA Trophy, but that's a completely different competition. That's an FA competition where it's being held at the national stadium so they don't have to book it out or or pay any fee for that. National League, you know, have booked a stadium. They said that in the case of Wrexham and Notts County getting there and it being a... 50,000 plus crowd they had to go for a stadium as big as the London Stadium but surely you'd rather have a sold out 40,000 stadium in the Midlands than a two thirds at best full stadium down in London it just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever but yeah and fans have at least shown their class there and Naif that's the bottom line from us really we started the podcast saying that you know no matter what happens we're so proud of this club and and what they've done over the last year and there is still a bright future it's been a tough yeah. tough week for us yeah. it's been a tough couple of weeks it's been bursting of the bubble really because it could have been three of the best weekends of your life and they could have been. just fallen have flat
2: been. but what a season rich what a season and, and you know just want to say quickly you know thanks so much for everyone who, who donated to that I, I you know it's not i'm not part of manage trust but it's amazing and, and it's great to see and you know, share it on social media and we're, we're happy to promote that and, and as best we can. I know it will have closed by the time this this came out that kind of um, acceptance of, of, of bids and, and bids of, you know, submissions and everything, donations. Um, but we just, maybe a thanks from us, Rich, because first um, sort of full season of the podcast, I know we sort of started towards the back end of last season. You know, we've come out with, God knows, 40 odd thousand downloads of stuff that we've put out. We've got 70 episodes. Um, our socials have gone you know through the roof the amount of people we're able to reach on socials is just mind-blowing for us um so just thanks for all the support it's been a lot of fun for us to do um i'm sure we'll maybe figure out in the week's ahead maybe how you can support the podcast moving forward and, and kind of what we want to do with it maybe but yeah thanks so much for all the support and um, if you want to follow us on twitter you can at rob ryan red um, I did get a couple of emails. funniest funny thing, Rich, before we go, I did get an email to say that uh, somebody had confused Me New for Robin Ryan, which is understandable. Uh, although I don't imagine that Robin Ryan would have Rob at gmail.com as their uh, Twitter as a their kind of email even. Um, we did get an email that says uh, dear Rob, or should I say Ronald McDonald? So I knew immediately that this was a, a strong email to start. Dear Rob, or should I say Ronald McDonald, my name is Bart and I live in Wrexham. So Bart in Wrexham, thanks for getting in touch. Uh, I live in Wrexham for almost 10 years. I'm a bouncer in local pubs and clubs. Lately, I've realized that I want change and to use my skills running a pub. Uh, I can't tell if this is a wind-up or not, but even it made me laugh. For the past weeks uh, with my wife, we've been smashing It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And so here comes my inspiration. Would you be open to opening a Paddy's or a Paddy-themed pub in Wrexham? Truly believe your position in Wrexham, along with the great sitcom and my hard work, would be a recipe for success. Can't wait to hear from you in the future. But, um, I mean, neither me or you have a plan to open a pub anytime soon, do we? Re- I don't think the podcast is profitable enough to open a pub, frankly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, I, have you got any time to work, to run a pub? I don't. I used to work in two bars actually during the same
1: summer. It was relentless. It was... I worked on
2: a student union bar, and that was. That was yeah. That was probably I ran around more than Paul Rutherford, so you know make you think of that. But yeah, thanks again for the support. And don't know anything else you want to say, Rich? It's been a, it's been a fun season for us, even though it's ended in yeah disappointment.
1: Yeah, and you know, yeah, it's like I said, it's been a season on the pitch. that's had so many highs as well, though. And when I look back at the season, it's gonna be podcasting review obviously but it's gonna be the Paul Mullen season it's gonna be Halifax away limbs two wins over Stockport that Chesterfield game Wealdstone the Dover match even the Grimsby game there have and the trip out to Wembley you know there's been so many highs and so many great moments we had the Halifax win at home we had the and Wood win at home there has been a lot of positivity and I've just really enjoyed going and that you know like you said there's gonna be lots of controversy about you know like i said oil money Wrexham and the morals and you know Wrexham can't be exempt to that and there's always going to be there's always going to be opposition fans as well who try and wind us up and make us feel like this season has been one of failure i remember when we had humphrey on the podcast earlier in the year and we asked him that question did not we naif would the season still be successful if Wrexham didn't go up and he said obviously they want to get promoted but there's still elements of success you can take from it the foundations are there and what solid foundations they are. You know, we fought to save this club. We've still got our club. And we've got a club to be so proud of. A whole community to be proud of. And yeah, it's been a dark day. It's been a grim few days. But the future is very bright. And yeah, like you said, nave from both of us, just thank you very much if you've supported the podcast, either on social media or by listening to us every week. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you not already. Recommend us to a friend. Yeah, word of mouth is such a good way to help us grow. And we will be with you all summer. We've got some great interviews lined up, ready to go. We just need to wait for nothing to happen, really, so we can hit publish on them. Thank you very much for all your support. Take care. We will see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go.